Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Listen, I don't, I don't know. It, it's hard to recognize, you know, when, when the gifts of the Spirit are in action without the theatrics, sometimes it's hard to recognize. So, Are you with me? I know some of y'all been in the churches where it's like, oh, I know they're prophesying because he's three times, he's 3x louder right now. And there's a lot of these and thous and wind sucking going on. And I'm not, man, I got an email this week telling somebody telling me not to be so hard on charismatics. I'm like, well, I am one. But, you know, it's like, you shouldn't talk about this or that. You're making people look bad. I'm like, well, but I'm doing that. Anyway, my point is this. So get to your point. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Amen. Callie. Um, what she was going into there at the end of that third song, singing the uh, fruits of the Spirit. Man, I'm telling you, she was prophesying. And she was prophesying in a way where she was ministering, the whole team worshiping together, the whole team moving together in that way, where if you would so choose to engage, you would have had the opportunity to get in sync with what she was singing in that moment and allow the Spirit to shape you to transform you, to build the desire for the gifts of the Spirit, thank you, to, or the fruits of the Spirit to flow through you. And it's very much in sync with where I'm going today. Today we're talking, we're still in our, our Thought Life series. This is the third one. And today we're going to do a group exercise. So everybody get your smartphones ready. We're going to go to my favorite website. You may or may not have heard about it. We're going to go look at Open Bible. But... Uh, uh, because the the goal, not not the goal, but what we should be doing predominantly within our personal lives and our faith expression with the Lord and connecting with Him is yielding to Him to experience transformation. Because out of transformation comes obedience, comes you stepping into the callings that God has in your life. It comes you know, you, you, when you experience transformation, you're experiencing that predestiny to be conformed to the image of Christ, to live Christ-like outwardly in the fruits and the power and in love toward one another. But the Spirit working in your life has to be hosted and engaged intentionally. Are you with me? What I mean by that is take moments of intimacy like that and, and don't, you know, don't just wait until the music's over or enjoy the nice temperature and the lighting in the room and the mix and the beautiful singing and, oh, this is nice. Let, let something spiritual actually happen within you. Because I, 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 and we talk about this a lot, but Christians need to be living under the influence of the Spirit of God. We need to be living under the power of the Spirit of God in a real, tangible, realistic effective way, right? In a way that where we can intentionally engage the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and experience an effect and come out transformed, come out different on the other side, come out living more under His influence. You know, I just, I just, 
us as charismatics, we see the potential. We see Jesus do the things. We see sometimes the body of Christ do the stuff, walk in the power, walk in the gifts. But we just, you know, it's like an anomaly almost. It happens every now and then. But man, I'm just telling you, I, I think we can live under the influence. In fact, I actually think we live under the influence of the Spirit more accidentally than we do on purpose. It's when you're not thinking about it. It's when you're not second-guessing everything. It's when you're not trying so hard that you're led by Him. And I'm not saying in every moment. But so, so you know, thank you, Callie, for following the Spirit there because it, it, it's a moment, it's an opportunity to engage the Spirit to let Him shape and transform you. The reason we're talking about thought life as we, the couple of passages that are the foundational passages, Proverbs 23, 7a, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This series is going to extend for a while, and we've mostly been talking about the thinking that you do in your mind, a little bit talking about the thinking that you do in your heart. And when I say heart, it's almost kind of more spiritual thinking. You know, we see in Romans 8 that uh, uh, carnal thinking leads to death. Spiritual thinking leads to life. Spiritual thinking is not when you're unplugged from this realm and you're floating around in the heavenly place and you're seeing angels flying around and you're having visions and you're, you're hearing things from the spiritual dimension. Thinking spiritually is just thinking in agreement with God, thinking life-oriented, having the expectation of what He says is possible. Spiritual thinking is hearing a bad diagnosis and then thinking, well, by His stripes I'm healed, and believing that that could be your potential future. Hold on and believe until manifestation, right? Spiritual thinking is wrestling against those vain imaginations that exalt themselves, that tell you that you're a bad parent or tell you that you're always going to be broke or tell you that you don't deserve love or tell you that you'll never find happiness and peace again after this loss, all that stuff, you know. Spiritual thinking is to get a hold of your thoughts back in alignment with the Lord and what He says and His promises and expect that. Hope, I would say, is the root of spiritual thinking, an expectation of good things. Whatever's going on, can you grab a hold of your mind and put it on something that the Lord has said or revealed to you and expect that to happen. And I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking, right? I'm not just talking about positivity. We're talking about spiritual life actually manifesting and changing you. So this idea, and, it, and it's not that just thinking differently changes you because this passage here we're also looking at pretty in depth, Romans 12 too. Be not conformed, and I've, you know, if you if you've missed the couple, the first two, you can go back and watch. I go into a lot more detail, but this idea of being not conformed or shaped and molded into the world system, but be transformed. That word transformed is the same word that's used of Jesus when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he changed and he was glowing, and they heard a voice and they saw uh, Moses and Elijah standing with Jesus. It's the same word. He was transfigured in that moment. I'm not saying you're going to start glowing. Caitlin, you were kind of glowing last week after the baptisms, so you were kind of transfigured. I just wanted to see those eyes pop open by saying her name. Wasn't that fun last week, the baptisms? We'll look forward to the next one, get that on the schedule. We've already got more people saying, hey, I want to do that. Anyway, so transformed is not just 
physical change. It's not just, I was doing this, now I'm doing this because I decided to think differently. An aspect of the strength of transformation that we have is, is spiritual fruit changing the desires of your heart at a level that you don't have control over. You can be open to it or limit the Spirit of God working in your life, but you don't actually produce the change. So uh, renewing your mind, we just so by the renewing of your mind that you may prove out what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What's happening is you got to change the way that you think, which is code for repentance. Lay aside that former way of living. Be willing to think in agreement with the Lord. But it's not that alone that changes you. It's then you being open to the Spirit working in your life. And here's how the transformation happens. You come into agreement in your mind about your finances, your relationships, your coworkers, your spouse, you know, the stuff where real life happens, the opportunities to step out in ministry, pursuing that calling, starting that business, whatever it might be, how you respond to your children, all those things that are programmed in our life and our thinking that we just kind of do them the same way all the time. When you get into an agreement with what the Lord says about that and what a potential possibility could be, and you can go back into the typical thinking, or a little bit of hope rises up. No, this can actually be different. There can be something. I can grow here. The hope kicks in. Then your heart becomes open to the grace. The grace being the strength in your inner man to actually make a different decision, to actually pray for somebody in that parking lot and watch a miracle happen, to actually put in for that promotion and, and see, all led by the Lord. You know, the Lord is trying to work His will in your life. And the way that you come into alignment with Him is renew your mind so that His will can be established in your life. That's what it's talking about when it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. The Spirit of God is trying to establish His will in your life. you got to change the way you think to harmonize with Him so that His will is established in your life. Are you with me? And that's what we're talking about. There, there's a, I, I love all the neuroscientific information, you know, the brain chemistry stuff. I love all that stuff. But the, the, all of that information can be frustrating because sometimes it makes you feel like, well, if I could just do this right, then I'll change my brain and everything will work out. You ever feel that way? It's like we, we, we forget about the spiritual element. Yes, yes. Let me just tell you this. This is not good news. I'm just going to prequel this. This is not good news. We think about 60 to 70 thoughts a day. Or, sorry, 60,000. <laughs> Some of y'all think 60. <laughs> about 50. 60,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Uh, neuroscience has kind of looked at this. There's a guy, Joe Dispenza, who's a neuroscientist. You gotta be careful with him because he gets off into some kind of new agey sounding stuff, but, but his scientific uh, study, because he is a legit neuroscientist, I, I, I'm, I'm on board with that, but I, I'm guarding my heart for some of his other stuff. But, but he puts it together in a really good way, and he talks about this idea that out of those 60 to 70,000 thoughts that you have a day, 
90% of them are hardwired into your physiology that they're just automatic. So in other words, he goes through this scenario. He's like, you wake up, you have the same kind of feelings. You get out of bed the same way. You do the same morning routine. You brush your teeth the same way. You go, you drive the same way to your work. You do the job the same way. You have the same conversations. You eat the same kinds of things. You come home, you do the same kind of stuff. You go to bed the same way. 90% of what you do and think throughout your day is programmed. You don't even think about it. And he presents this idea that's really interesting. The way that he says it, he says, the body becomes the brain. In that, you think a particular thing or you have to go and you have to engage an area of life and your physiology, the the neurochemicals that you emit, the hormones that you emit, the thoughts that you think about yourself in that environment trigger certain emotions and feelings and therefore actions and behaviors you're kind of just not even thinking about it. You ever drive home and you're like, I don't remember. Honestly, you ever done that? That's what I'm talking about. We do that stuff. You ever sin? Y'all are quiet on that one. And then later you're like, what was I thinking? I don't want to do that. Whether you overeat, you get angry, you disobey your parents, or the really dark stuff. You know what I mean? All that stuff is programmed. It's, for the believer, it's not your nature anymore. You've been changed. You actually naturally desire righteousness and holiness, but you got this mind that needs to be renewed, that's hardwired to run that program for that relief because it's familiar. And the stories that we tell ourselves associated with that programming is what gets down into your heart and creates beliefs. The stories that you tell yourself about whatever, the same kind of relationship over and over, the issues that you have in your home with spouse, kids, parents. You know, what story are you telling yourself about who you are in these situations? Are you rehearsing the negativity? I mean, think about it. What, what, like, so when you, when you engage life and you got to make decisions, there's a kind of a subconscious conversation that you have with yourself, but you're, no, 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 no. You know, interesting thing about memory, I didn't have this in my notes, but it's just coming up, but memories, uh, I can't remember what the study was. It may be Newberg, Andrew Newberg, who did a study on people's brains and their neurochemistry when they're praying and praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. But there's a study out there that, that shows that um, when you have memories, it's like a chemical residue of the past. So when you have a memory about the past, positive or negative, the same neurochemistry runs its patterns and you feel like you're in that situation again. Are you with me? Something gets triggered and you're like, I'm feeling it all over, all over again. Now, if it's a situation where you were victimized or, you, or loss or something like that, in those moments, you make decisions about your identity. You decide, you make decisions of this is who I am. 
good or bad, right or wrong, true or false. You build this internal picture of who you are. And that stuff gets set in stone, so to speak, and then we live out of those. And we respond to people, respond to God. Remember how we talked about in the first message, we talked about Pharaoh, how he responded to God through Moses, that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh had an option. When God, when God sent Moses to Pharaoh to deliver the Egyptians, uh, the word hazak actually means to hold, to encourage, to strengthen, and it does mean harden. It's a dynamic word depending on the state of the hearer. So when God extended through Moses to Pharaoh the opportunity to let the Israelites go, the condition of his heart was to harden toward God rather than heal and soften toward God. That's where we all are, saved. And we're not talking about whether or not you're saved. We're talking about how sensitive and receptive to the Spirit of God are you to change you and shape you and transform you. A lot of us are, sh are shaped by the memories of the past. But back on that, the study showed that when you recall a memory, physically, emotionally, neurochemically, you actually don't remember it the way that it happened. You remember how you felt the last time you remembered it. Now, some of us are super analytical. You can detach from your emotions and you can go through and you're really good at keeping a record of the past. But most of us are like, whatever you felt the last time you remembered it, that is what you, that's the story that you start to affirm and tell yourself. And let me just tell you, it is really hard to break that cycle because it's familiar and it feels right because it's familiar. And it almost feels wrong or impossible to try to think a different way. So some of us are uh, sowing into our present and therefore our future because when we come up against the situation with our finances, our relationships, your job, stepping out into your calling, believing for a miracle, whatever it is, you remember how it feels to be you in that situation, whether you're right or wrong, and then you start to rehearse and reinforce, this is who I am. And then the same emotions come up and you're like, well, see there, there's the fear. This is who I am. See there, there's the anxiety. See there, there's the depression. See there, there's the hopelessness. See there, there's the... And then your body supports that. And your body kind of like gives you the dramatic lighting to reinforce the story that you're telling yourself. Oh, this is what you want to believe? Okay, here you go. I'm going to help you feel what you'd like to feel about yourself. And then you make a decision to destroy. And then we put it on our kids. We put it on our, the people around us. That's the kind of transformation that we're talking about stepping out of and breaking free from. We're not just talking about sin habits. We're talking about the stuff that we get locked into because of how we respond to life. And the spirit of the living God is active and alive to help you in those moments. That is what grace is. Grace will come alive and strengthen you in your inner man. And it can be hard. I mean, you might get a headache when you start to try to tell yourself a different story. It, it, it's, it's, it is 
hard to change the way you think. But you got to put forth effort there. But the Spirit of God will be there to help you. You're collaborating. You can't just sit back and say, God, change me. How's that working for you? Don't raise your hand, but have you ever prayed that way? God, well, if He wants it for me, He'll just do it. That ain't God. I actually was going to talk about that next week, but a little precursor. Just this whole idea of the receptivity of your mind and your heart to God will determine if you harden or heal. And we've been talking about how does renewing your mind produce transformation? Why, why is Romans 12.2 true? Why does transformation happen when you renew your mind? Well, it's not just the physical effort of changing the way that you think to reprogram your physiology. There's a spiritual element that comes alive to help you hold on to hope, and then all the physical stuff just takes care of itself. See, that, that's really the goal of mind renewal unto transformation, is to hold on to what God says is possible, no matter how you feel, until the hopelessness breaks, until the, the, the fear and the doom and the gloom sense subsides. And all that's left is I've been moved by the potential of this promise being a reality in my life. This is who God is. So, so we're wrestling with really believing in the true character of God, that what He said is true and can come to pass in our lives. So it's not an effort to change. It's not on you to change, but it is on you to bring your thoughts captive because that's the battle. Amen? Now, you don't have to make your brain do anything different. You, you're, even your soulish, spiritual heart, you don't even have to change it. You just have to behold the Lord. You just have to make sure that you don't let those the story of your past continue to be the story that you tell yourself now. you got to tell yourself a different story based on the Word of God. And we're going to walk through a group exercise of, of how to do that. It's, it's one way to do it. There's lots of ways to do it, but it's, it's one way to do it. So how does it work? Why does it work? And last week I threw out the Philippians 4.8 um, homework. Philippians 4.8 is... It's almost like a series of steps. Take any area of life, take any of these story patterns that you walk yourself through. So you could walk, as you're telling yourself this story of, well, I'm just limited here, I'm just this, I'm just that. Well, see here, this is, you know, you get the point. You can take yourself through this. This is, this is one way. We're going to do another way collectively. But this is one way to bring your thoughts captive. This is actually describing a repentant process turning away from and turning toward. You, you just walk. So if you're struggling, any area of life that you're struggling with, you go through this. So in this area, what's true? What's the honorable thing to do here? What's the just, what's the right thing to do? What's the pure, what's the most pure, what's the purest aspect of this in light of who God is and who I am in Him to think about this? You know, whatever's lovely, it's, like, it's not just positivity, but it's like you absolutely have the responsibility to bring your thoughts captive or not and just keep doing what you're doing. Whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, 
there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Say that with me. Think about these things. There is so much instruction in the Word of God about how to think and what to think about. Are you with me? So this week, before we jump into the group exercise here, basically we're just talking about meditation and prayer in the Word, but I want to give you a couple of passages. This is set the stage for what we're going to do here. Uh, by the way, don't worry about when we get to the website trying to put it on the live stream. You can just stay here, and people can follow along that way. Uh, so we're, we're looking at Ephesians 4.17. Um, now, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. That, that region, I don't have time. to. Oh, I just released a, a, a course on Ephesians and Colossians. Um, we make that part of our journey, in other words, our discipleship path, free for church members. And there's some, there's some ways to connect online as well that you get free access to that. We've sent out a bunch of discounts, whatever. But if you're here, this is your home church. If you're on the right list, because <laughs> I emailed the list, but anyway. And if you're out there and you're like, well, I just don't have the money or I just don't want to pay for it, let us know. We'll send you a code. Anyway, uh, so I go into great detail of Ephesians and Colossians. It's, I don't even know how many hours. It's a lot of hours, 12 hours maybe. Um, but, all right, so Ephesians 4, 17, so I tell you this and insist on, I insist on this in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So, you know, changing the way that you think, there's an expectation to live differently. We should walk worthy of the calling that we have in Christ. Amen? We should look like Jesus. We should actually turn away and abstain from sin. That is part of the repentant process. But if, if, it's, if you don't know how to do that, then you end up hiding it and feeling guilty about it your entire life, and you never really break free. It is possible for you to not struggle with that sin any longer. A transformation can actually happen. So, you know, we're talking about changing the way that you live, not just think, but because it will change the way that you live. So... Uh, so, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of hearts. The hardness of your heart can alienate you from the life of God. You can be saved on your way to heaven, but in your heart, hardened to God where you're not experiencing the life of God. That just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? It's like, well, I'm probably doing that. We're all doing that, I promise you. That's what we're talking about, though. We're talking about softening our heart to Him so that, we, so that we're not alienated. We're not holding God at an arm's distance because we don't trust Him to come into that pain to heal us, to then set us free. We, we do it to God, too. If you're doing it to people, I promise you, you're doing it to God. You, you, you want to... You want to know how healthy your relationship with God is? How healthy is your relationship with people? That's a freebie. That's just a freebie, just saying. Let's keep going. 419, having lost all sense of shame, they have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity. 
with a craving for more. But this is not the way you came to know Christ. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in keeping the truth that is in Jesus to put off your former way of life, your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. And this is what we're talking about. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you look at different translations, what it's, what it's probably more clearly saying is renew your mind after the Spirit or let the Spirit help you renew your mind or just in the, in the vein of renewing your mind. It's not, it's not talking about... It, it's kind of hard to understand just because of the wording, but the idea is this. You're putting on externally in your soul, in your mind, specifically in your thinking, that which is already true of you in your spirit. And that's that process. What story are you telling yourself? And, and stop, I'm telling you, when you're living your life and you feel like you're just automatic, just stop and ask yourself, who am I, who do I think I am in this moment? And not, you know, I mean, that's a condescending question, but not, you're not getting in your own face unless that helps you, but are you with me? It's like, all right, what am I, am I telling myself a hope and a future based on what God has made possible in Christ for me? Or am I telling myself, am I guarding myself to maintain some sense of safety because of what's happened to me? What story am I telling myself? And then this here is the strength of this exercise that we're going to do is Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active. And so last week, John 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So what we're talking about here is an aspect of God, a living, breathing spiritual aspect of God, the Word, the logic, the wisdom, the character, the understanding of God still manifesting in our hearts and our minds and influencing us. We're not just talking about the written Word. So in other words, it's not just saying, go read the Bible and then you're going to change. I mean, some of, y'all, some of us read the Bible and fall asleep. Some of us read the Bible and walk away confused. Some of us read the Bible and say, well, that's not working for me, and then you just put it down and you just don't read it. It's because it's not, it's not engaged with the expectation of the essence of it to be alive and to feed you, to be fruitful to you in that moment. You ever, have you ever been reading and then all of a sudden one passage stands out and you just stop and you just, you just, you just kind of catch yourself daydreaming about it? It's come alive to you. That's the, opp- that's the moment where you have the opportunity to let that Word transform you because this is what it's seeking to do. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit. I mean, that, that's what we want. We want that which is spiritual to enter into our soulish realm and into our thinking and our mind and manifest in our lives as a fruit, Right? We have that expectation. The Spirit of God is alive and active Uh, to both joints and marrow. And this is is the not-so-fun part 
But this is the, 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 the secret realm of transformation is letting the Word of God get in there to the point where you lay down your thinking, your old way of thinking, your pain, your hurt, your doubt, and you let it create a sense of hope to the point that you actually turn and move in a different direction. It's the definition of repentance. I feel like I have to say it every time. Repentance is not when you go to God. You tell Him you're sorry for what you did, and then He says, okay, mm, I I think you're telling me the truth, so here's some forgiveness for you. No. You stand forgiven because of the once, one-time sacrifice for your sin, Christ. You stand forgiven, forever accepted in the Father because Jesus died for you. He paid for your sins. He washed you clean with His lifeblood. You stand before the Father, righteous and holy, accepted, forgiven. God is not holding your sins against you. You can go sin and He's not going to judge you for it. Now, it might kill you, but and do you really want to do that? Of course you don't. So we're not talking about him judging whether or not you're righteous. We're talking about, no, that's, that's the old you. This is the new you. And it's going to take you believing that this is the potential to the point that you're changed even if they don't change. Even if the situation doesn't change, even if the circumstance doesn't change. You change. You see a possibility for a different future and hope. So you let the Word get in there and judge the thoughts and intents of your heart. The Holy Spirit is alive and active. Amen? All right, so let's do this. Bring out, Get out your smartphones and go to openbible.info. And you can go ahead and switch over and pull that up if you would. Christine, thank you. This is, the, this is what George was talking about last week. Where is he? Is he traveling? Yeah. Um, George gave a testimony last week about using this. He, he called, he call, I like how he described it. He called it, so it's openbible.info. Might be a little bit different if you're visiting with us or if you're somewhat new. Um, let's see. Oh, help if I type it right. Yeah. If you don't have a smartphone, look on with your neighbor. We're going to do your homework in class. In class homework. All right, so when you get there, click on topical at the top. But all, all this is is a topical study tool. Uh, it's basically a type of concordance. If you're unfamiliar with Bible study tools, a concordance is a, a book that has every word in the Bible grouped together. So every time you see the word grace, a concordance will have listed every place in the Bible that the word grace is listed, the word heart, the word righteousness, whatever. This is actually organized a little bit differently. It doesn't, it's not a concordance in that it shows you every reference of a particular word. Uh, I think what this guy did, which we're not connected to this website, but I, I think what he did was actually went through all these subjects and, and keyed in 
passages that relate to these topics. And I just wanted to, I'll do it in front of you and then I'll, and then you'll do it. But basically what we're doing in engaging a study tool like this, so there's the Philippians 4.8 walkthrough. This is a topical study walkthrough. Uh, just so you know, if you ever come to me and you want pastoral like influence or counseling or whatever, uh, this is one of the exercises I'm going to give you. Uh, you're going to tell me what area of life you're dealing with, you're struggling with, you want to see growth in. We're going to go to a tool like this, and the homework that I'm going to give you is go find 8 to 12 passages related to that subject and write them down. Like, actually write them out. Write out the passages just for, for one reason. Find out what the Bible says about that area of life that you're dealing with. Pretty basic, right? It's like, all right, I'm dealing with this. Well, what does the Bible say about it? That, it starts there. And so the goal is you just get your thinking in alignment with how God talks about the area. Make sense? Then the exercise is pick, you know, four to eight, 12, whatever, of those passages that really speak to you. Like in a tool like this, it pulls up about 100. Pick about eight, four to eight, 12, whatever, that really speak to you, and then rewrite them. I'm not saying change the Bible. I'm just saying use that to rewrite it in the first person, personal, so that it applies to you. And it, and it becomes like, a, like an affirmation statement with action associated with it that this is who I am. In this situation, I am this. I will do this. I can have this. Because God said this, this is who I am in light of this passage. So essentially what you then end up with is a rewritten first-person script that you could call a, a, a personal confession script. Now, the confession is not to make it true. The confession is to believe it, right? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? If you don't, then to confess that you're righteous is not to try to make it true. It's to try to come into agreement that that's actually true. But you got to find anchor points in Scripture that help you agree with that as your truth. Healing, financially blessed, at peace, not anxious, uh, living in the calling that God has for you, stepping out in ministry, whatever it might be, right? So... Let's go through one, and I'll show you. I'll just kind of do it. What, what's a subject? Predestination. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that one. That's too theological. I love you, man, but we're not going there. <laughs> parenting. Let's go with parenting. You're going to love this one. Yeah, so just type in Parenting. All right, so I'm going to read from mine, and you can uh, follow. So let's see. We got Proverbs 22.6, Ephesians 6.4, Colossians. Yeah, so it's all the same. All right, so whether it's relationships, financing, finances, sin, because uh, you're going to do this here in just a minute, parenting. All right, so I'm just going to, as if I were doing this in my own privacy, um, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
right off the bat, I'm thinking, I'm just going to think out loud. That, that actually gives me a sense of hope. I can trust that when I put whatever I put into my child regarding the Lord, he's not going to veer too far from that. My, my child might veer off of that, but I trust and I believe that if I will train up the Lord or train up my child in this way, it'll be there. That gives me a sense of hope and confidence. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Man, I'm running some scenarios. See, right now, right here, I've got the opportunity because I have the gift of sarcasm. And I can easily provoke my children to legit anger. Man, I'm seeing it. And I'm feeling it. And it's kind of, kind of fun sometimes, if, I, if I'm being honest. But it's not good. I don't want to provoke them to anger. Why would I want to do that? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, that means I've got to discipline myself. What does it mean to be a father? What, how does God think about fathering? All right, so I'm committed to. Father, I thank you for this wisdom. I will not provoke my children to anger. Father, I, I ask you to help me to give me grace in the moment where I'm frustrated, where for the 20th time I've asked them to do something and it's still not done, that I can release them from me feeling like I need to provoke them. I'm not going to provoke them. So help me, Lord. I want to see myself operate in a different way. Yeah. So like internally, I'm seeing that stack of dishes, and I know what that makes me feel like. How do I want to feel? Well, I'm going to remember that I love my child. I don't, I don't want to install a lifelong memory based on that stack of dishes. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're showing me a different way. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I trust that in that moment there's peace, there's patience. Uh, the second half here says, bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I, I, will, I will still uh, expect help in the household from my kids, but I'm not going to provoke them to anger. In that moment, I'm going to have a calm spirit. I thank you for that peace, Lord, in that moment. I can see, I can feel it. And, and now I even feel a sense of love for my kids in this moment. And I just saw a look on one of them's face flash, which, you know, kind of wanted to anchor me back into sarcasm. But I, even when I see that face, I'm not going to let it provoke me so that I then provoke them. I will be in control. The, this, the fruit of self-control will rise up in me, and I'm not going to react. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fathers, this is me, or the... So Proverbs 13, so whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline. Yeah. So I'm not going to be legalistic and dole out discipline as punishment, but as instruction. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Discipline your son and he'll give you rest. A lot of discipline here. We need to not be afraid of disciplining our children. I'm seeing a pattern here. We need to not be afraid of disciplining our children. Well, if I discipline, it's going to go this way. 
But the Bible says, discipline, and it'll bring rest. Am I going to believe that or not? So i got to figure out what discipline actually looks like, because that's what the Lord says. And even me, hear my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. They're graceful. Ooh. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Some of y'all kids listening to your mama, you're forsaking your mother's teaching. That is directly against the Word of God. Not for condemnation, but if you say you want to be a Christian, you say you want to follow God, this is telling me how I should think and live. Psalm 103.13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who worship or fear him. Lord, I thank you that even in this moment, I'm, I'll remember in parenting how gracious and kind and patient you are with me. I'll draw on that first to then extend that toward my children. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. And I'm not verbalizing every little scenario that I see, but I can feel inwardly those little course corrections happening. This is an interesting 1 Peter 5.3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And that's a good lesson. How can I expect them to do what I want them to do if they've never seen it done? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, I, and so I just feel like he reminded us something he spoke to me another time. Don't worry about getting it all right. <clears throat> you just make sure that you're trusting me and living out in front of them that which you want to sow into them. Take personal responsibility to be the example, which means I need to take personal responsibility to choose peace in that moment. To, to go to you to find out the next step of the instruction. Thank you, Lord. Let's do one more subject. Throw out a different subject. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. That's a good one. Overwhelmed. So right off the bat, you got Psalm 34, Philippians 4, 2 Corinthians... 12, yeah. Y'all pulling them up on your phone? Uh, all right, overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed? You wish you had a plan of action when you're feeling overwhelmed? This might work for you. So when the righteous cry for help, right off the bat, identity. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You got to know that. You've got to know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, not because you've behaved properly to be rewarded, but because the blood of Christ has cleansed you. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. The Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Do you, do you feel like the Lord actually hears you? When you're overwhelmed, don't you, don't you want to be heard? Just think about that. The Lord hears. The Lord hears. Just meditate on that for just a moment. 
the Lord hears me. He knows where I'm at. And delivers. Do I believe that? Do I believe that the Lord delivers out of all my troubles? Wow, that's a big statement. Now, it might be easy in this moment, but when you're actually feeling overwhelmed, can you get a hold of your thoughts and your emotions and let this one single phrase encourage you? Try it. Next time you're feeling overwhelmed, sit. The Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Now, what this causes me to want to do is to kind of get in sync with the heart of God. And I can, I can kind of, I feel that sense of compassion that the Lord has toward the brokenhearted. I maybe even am feeling brokenhearted. Yeah, I can feel the Lord's heart toward me. He's not seeking to judge me. He, he's, he wants to comfort and strengthen me. He's near. Saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, so right there, yes. But the Lord delivers them out of the Lord delivers him out of them all. And of course, this is a prophecy too about Jesus. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. There's a layer of prophecy in the Psalms about Christ that if you can if you can see it is phenomenal. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory. Thank you, Lord. I'm visual. I like to engage uh, my imagination. I use my, you know, God gave us our imagination. Let's use it for godliness. So I see myself here. It's almost like I can see the Lord sitting in his heavenly realm, and he has a supply of riches, and it's glorious, and it's in Christ. And out of that, I just see him strengthening me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In this moment, right now, I can feel, I can make a different choice. I don't have to feel powerless. I don't have to feel like I haven't done enough. I don't have to feel like I'm lacking in order to accomplish what you've called. Your, your strength is in me. Just like Paul. When Paul prayed, God, would you do something? You said, my grace is sufficient. I have within me everything because your supply is an endless supply. <laughs> Man, I wish I could paint because this image that I see so now it's like I'm just seeing this river of life flowing through me. That's, that's the image that gets produced when I start engaging in this idea that out of his riches and glory, he provides. And it starts with just me being at peace. Thank you, Lord. I'm complete in you. Even if that stuff out there never changes, I'm complete in you. I have everything I need in you. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you do desire to bless me so that I can be a blessing. And, and then you just kind of follow it wherever it goes for you, right? And it may not be a visual meditation, but it is a prayer and a meditation in the Word 
to first and foremost get your mind in alignment with how God thinks about that subject, what He has said about it, and then let it do a work in you. Okay, well, I'm not doing that. I see it. Wow, I see, I see over and over and over that He says that. I probably should live that way. So then you're engaging in this process of Ephesians where you're putting off the old way and you're putting on the new way. This is what we're doing. We're putting on that new man. We're putting on that which we are already in spirit. Are you with me? You can sit down and just read straight through and said, well, you know, I read my six chapters today. Or you can actually let the Word of God live on the inside of you. Let the Spirit be alive and active and judge the intents and thoughts of your heart to course correct. Make those little shapes. Make those little changes. Are you with me? The world out there needs to see a body of Christ that has been transformed by the Spirit of God. The world out there needs to have a hope, and our hope is in that Christ is in you working and molding. And You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And we're not just talking about after you die. Is this landing? So that's your homework. Go do that. Go use this passage or, or use this website. Go pick a subject and just meditate through it. Oh, well, he just, I want a story. He, he just called it praying the scripture. That was his phrasing. You're praying the scripture. I, I, like, I like saying it that way. Um, and that's what you're doing. And again, you're, you're, so what you're doing is it's like, all right, here I am, this hot mess, and I'm coming to you, Lord, and I'm exposing my heart in an attempt to come out different. I want to live like I've already been recreated to be in my spirit. So here I go. I'm going in for surgery, Lord. I'm going in for the hard work. I'm going in for counseling. I'm going in for a workout in you. You know what I mean? And it's not, you don't do it begrudgingly. It's not in a sense of labor, but it's your response. It's a reasonable expectation to present yourself a living sacrifice to him, not yielding your members to sin, but to righteousness, right? That's what you're doing. You're you're, you're, you're laying yourself in His hands to let Him shape and mold you. And if you can do it in the area that you're struggling, man, you become the most powerful person in your life. Really, honestly, don't you want that? To be a source of strength and hope for others? Not falling and stumbling and second-guessing and worried and anxious and all that stuff. No, man. God can shape you and mold you into a strong tower, into a person that has a sense of peace and destiny, living with purpose, saying no to sin and yes to righteousness, living out of this recreated or this newly created identity, full of hope, living under the strength and the fruit of His Spirit to walk in the power of His Spirit. Let the Word do a work. Amen? Let's stand up if you would. Father, thank You for the opportunity to gather. Thank You for Your Word. Uh, we, just, we thank You for... There's so many different ways to engage Your Spirit, to, to put ourselves in Your hands, to be shaped and molded, and we will.
we will. We will yield to you. We will allow you to transform us.